Hello everybody and welcome to a very special bonus edition of the Danger Club podcast. We're not going to be playing any Pathfinder today. This is all about Pathfinder 2nd edition. This is all about the UK Games Expo. This is about the very future uh, of the game that we love playing, Pathfinder. My name is Dan Thompson, your Dungeon Master. If you do not listen to the Danger Club podcast, if you're just here for our Jason Ballman interview, uh, first of all, welcome. Second of all, listen to our podcast. Listen to the Danger Club. It's a fantastic show. Uh, it's six British actors sitting in a studio in London playing Pathfinder and having a great time. If you enjoy this, come and subscribe and uh, check out some of our other episodes because we've got some really good stuff happening at the moment. But let's talk about what is going on with Pathfinder in general. So like I say, we play Pathfinder 1st Edition, which has been around for quite a few years now. We've been playing it for a long, long time. But coming this August, first weekend of August, so at Gen Con, Pathfinder 2nd Edition is going to be coming out, a whole revamped game. And we are thinking about maybe playing that when it comes out. We're not sure just yet. But as part of finding out whether we do want to play it or not, Ross and I went to the UK Games Expo last weekend. We had a really nice time. Uh, we played a lot of games. We met a lot of Dangerlings. We chatted to Paizo quite a lot. We spent a lot of time hanging around in their booth, talking to staff from Paizo and uh, having a look at the rulebook and the bestry that they had there, sample copies, uh, and playing some demo games and uh, really getting a feel for it. So we have had now had a chance to play Pathfinder 2nd Edition firsthand. And I'm going to tell you about what we thought of it. But before we do that, let's hear from the man who designed Pathfinder 1st Edition uh, and who um, led the team creating Pathfinder 2nd Edition. Uh, this is our interview with Paizo lead designer Jason Bullman. Hello, we are at the UK Games Expo. We are with Jason Borman, who is the designer of Pathfinder first I, and second. Uh, so I was the creator of Pathfinder first edition. Okay. But uh, these days I have a brilliant team of folks working on, with me and uh, I am just the team leader for them. I am, I am Paizo's director of game design. So I have the team of designers underneath me who, uh, who worked for the past three years to make Pathfinder second edition a reality. So like everyone else, we're excited about second edition. We're waiting to see. We've played a bit of playtest. We're waiting to see what it's like. Yeah. Like a lot of people, you know, I've been playing this basic rule set for, for about 20 years now, um, DMing this. So we the all have, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's, uh, the idea of changing is, uh, is quite a big thing. So what is it, that, what is it about second edition that's, that makes it worth going away from something that's worked so well for so long? So I have to say, the big thing that we wanted to do with the 2nd Edition is we wanted to create a game that was easier for people to approach, but still had that depth of option and customization that people come to expect from Pathfinder. So, you know, 1st Edition is great. I don't want anyone to think that we don't like 1st Edition. We love 1st Edition. We spent 10 years making 1st Edition. But after 10 years, you start to notice the parts that don't work so well. And you're like, uh, every time I have to explain this to a new player, they kind of gloss over. Every time at the table we're using it, someone has to look up the rule. It's just, it happens, right? It, it, you learn about the, the faults in a system after 10 years. So what we really wanted to do was make a game that I could teach to new players in like five minutes. Yeah. To be like, all right, great, you're in combat. On your turn, you get to take three actions. What's an action? Drawing your sword, moving, and making an attack. Congrats. We wanted to teach you a very simple core of the game. All of the complexity that's beyond that is something you opt into by the choices you make for your character. So in first edition, a wizard might have to figure out what their combat maneuver bonus is 
but they would never use that. Like in their entire adventuring career, they'd have to keep updating a number that they'd never use. They'd use it like twice in their entire lives. Well, that's not really very good game design, right? It, 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 looking back on it, and, and you're talking to the guy who decided to make that formula. So like, I'm the one to blame. Uh, but it is, it is funny that you know now we're looking at it like, well, you don't need to know that unless it's something your character is gonna wanna do all the time. So you learn your character, the person next to you learns theirs, and you can all play together in a fast, smooth, seamless game. But it still allows you to build that crazy character you want to play using all the options we put in front of you. So it's not cookie cutter, it's just that we, we ask you to learn a very simple core and then expand from there. Fantastic. I think that was the, I don't know about the fear, but it's like we don't want to lose that customization. You don't want to lose that feeling of being like, I'm going to delve into some rule books and I'm going to find something fun that I can do with my it, character. It's fundamentally what people come to expect from Pathfinder. They expect a game with depth. But depth in game design comes at a cost of complexity. But we want to get the most depth for the least complexity. So, uh, and I, I think that's what we managed to do. The new game is super smooth to run. It is ridiculously simple to just make the game go. Um, but if you need to do something techy, there are plenty of ways you can do that. Oh, you want to play a barbarian that turns into a wolf. Well, that, that's not a base option, but there's like four different ways you can get there depending on how you want to build your character. And that's okay. It depends on the choices you want to make. Uh, but all of those choices are right there in front of you. They're not hidden, they're not buried, they're not something you have to dig for. They're, they're presented on Front Street. Yeah. It sounds like with that customization, is it going to be is it going to be easier for people who have stuff they like in first edition to try and not necessarily port that over, but make similar stuff? You know, we've got a we got a Blood Rager and a, and a Slayer in our on our show. Sure. Um, am I am I going to have to kill the Blood Rager off before second edition drops, or, or can we can we play around? Like, how easy is it going to be to cross stuff over? I mean, let's be honest. You should probably kill the Blood Rager anyway, <laughs> but. Um, if you're not going to, uh, it, it, it's all a matter of understanding what path you want to take to it until we can do something that's a little closer to what you want, right? Obviously, we're going from 10 years of book to one book. Now, that book is 640 pages. It has a lot more options and paths in it than the first edition core rulebook did. Uh, I like to tell people that in, in second edition, you pick your ancestry, a heritage to go with your ancestry, a background. Uh, your class and one major class decision. And between those five choices, there's like 43,000 different character combinations just on that alone. Now, that's not necessarily going to answer your question, though. If you want to make a Blood Rager, you might want to decide, okay, am I going to be more bar or, uh, barbarian or do I want to be more sorcerer? And if I'm more barbarian on that front, you'd start with the barbarian class, you take the sorcerer uh, archetype, and now you've kind of got your character. You would end up with a bloodline, you would end up with a barbarian, you would end up with some spells. Like, you can do that thing if that's what you want to do. You could also do it by starting with a sorcerer and then picking up barbarian and eventually getting the ability to rage. It all depends on which one's more important to you at first level. At some point in time down the road, we might do something that gets you there right away because that's the concept we want to push. But for right now, you probably have a route to get there. Awesome. Same with the Slayer. Nice. So. 
slight change that the way we the way we run our show is we play through we play through the modules um, adventures because it feels like a lot of people play APs um, so we, we're playing a load of modules and we we're stringing them together into our own adventure well then chances are you're going to be playing my module for second edition the first module for second edition was written by me oh fantastic yeah. well as it happens we do each every time we finish one we run a vote of listeners as to which one we play next and the next one that we're going to be playing on the show is Master the Living God which <laughs> I, I think <laughs> is one of as yours. well yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that's, that's right. Yeah. So uh, tell us about, like, what should we, without spoiling, what should we be looking forward to in that? Well, it's called Masks of the Living God, and anyone who knows our world knows what that refers to. So what I would recommend is that you practice your all hair the living God and get that down. It's really important for everyone to understand how much they should praise the living God. You, you want to get that it's, it's good to be able to shout at your players as much as possible. So it's, it's, it's a lot of undercover work, a lot of, a lot of not giving things away, um, a lot of good it's, deception checks and uh, bluff it's, checks. And it's a bit of an espionage adventure uh, dealing with a, a, a rather fanatical cult. Oh, great. Oh, you guys are going to be great at that. That's yeah. going to be, uh, that's gonna be uh, fantastic. <laughs> so what are you doing here at the show? We've got, you got you're doing Starfinder and Playtest? That's right. Uh, we're going to be doing some Starfinder demos here throughout the show. Uh, we're going to be doing some Pathfinder 2nd Edition demos, not the, not the playtest, oh, wow. the actual game. We actually, in fact, have a copy of the core rulebook right over at our front desk. So we're going to be doing some demos of 2nd Edition here at the show and uh, just uh, giving people a little taste of what Pathfinder 2nd Edition has in store. Amazing. Well, I think we are going to be here for most of the show then playing yeah, <laughs> guys awesome. of that. Yeah, That'd be please. great. Yeah, it'd be uh, fun. Jason, thank you very, very much. Uh, have a great show. Thank you. You too. Yeah. And we're back. Uh, thank you again to Jason for taking the time to talk to us. It was really busy. If you've ever been to the UK Games Expo, you know how crazy that was. So it was uh, it was really nice of him to take the time to stop and talk to Ross and I and uh, answer some of our are slightly rambling questions. Uh, sorry about the audio quality on that. Uh, it was recorded in uh, the middle of a games convention, so that was about the best we could get. Maybe one day we'll have them in the studio and we can talk properly. But let's talk about the game itself. So we got a chance to play uh, second edition Pathfinder, and uh, although we had, a, we had a good look at the rulebook, they were very strict on not letting us obviously take any pictures or anything of it because it's not out yet uh, but we did play a very good sample game so i thought i'd just give you our impressions of uh, how the game plays based on what we saw the first thing that jumped out from playing it is how simple the character sheets seem not in a bad way but uh, obviously these are iconics these are meant for a demo game so they're going to be slightly more simplified but they were they were shorter even than the starfinder demo sheets but they didn't feel like they lacked depth. There was still plenty of skills on there. Every character had a few different things that they could do. You really got an essence of the character from what we were, were playing in it. We had about uh, five players, and we played through a very short... It was a combat encounter, just walking around a jungle and some snakes jumping out, uh, and a chance to try out the different things that our, our characters did. The first things that jumped out to me was the new action economy. It is really different and really good so in pathfinder first edition i'm sure we know uh, if you've listened to our show for a while you're very familiar with move action standard action swift action free action lots of different types of action you spend a lot of time looking up what is drawing my sword what does that count as what is this so in second edition all of that is gone in second edition you just have three actions you have three things that you can do in a turn 
Uh, so do you want to attack? That's an action. Do you want to move? That's an action. Do you want to drink a potion? That's an action. So you've got three stuff, three things you can do. If you want, you can stand there and you can attack three times in your turn. Uh, and you can get three attacks. At level one, you can do that. But every additional attack that you take after the first one, you're taking big penalties to your hit rolls. So it gets harder. So it makes you start thinking tactically. It makes you think, okay, maybe I'll hit this guy and then I'll move. And then maybe I'll try and drink a potion or maybe I'll switch my weapons around or, or raise a shield. That is a thing in this. If you have a shield, that shield's not doing any good to you while it's strapped to your arm. Uh, it might be giving you some passive bonuses, but if you want the big bonus to AC from it, you've got to spend an action to raise your shield at the start of the turn. Uh, and shields are heavy, so you uh, at the end of your turn, that shield will drop back down again. So you've got to keep acting defensively it's, it's kind of an active defense sort of thing which is really nice it adds a lot more sort of um, a real feel to kind of keeping a high ac it's not just about having a big number in a paper you there are things you can actually do um, one of the other big things that um, the action economy affects are um, some of the spell casting so spell casting is usually two actions so of your three actions if you want to cast a spell you're probably only going to get to cast one per turn and if you want to add some meta magic well there's an action that you can put on there on the fly and you can use meta magic much simpler than the old system but it also lets you do fun things so for example ross was playing the wizard uh, he had magic missile magic missile is one to three actions in second edition so you can cast it for one action if you've only got one left and it fires one magic missile but you should never do that because if you spend three actions on it you fire three magic missiles same if you spend two actions on it um, so you can alter the spell based on how much of your go you want to put over to it to have more powerful abilities. Uh, the same is true with uh, some of the healing spells that we saw. Um, the player who was using our cleric, they were one action, they could do a touch heal, I think two actions a ranged heal, three actions an area effect heal, things like that. So the more of your action economy you're willing to spend, the more your abilities do things. Uh, another thing that's really interesting about combat in it is attack of opportunity is well it's not gone but it's really scaled back attack of opportunity is something of a bugbear for this rule set and it has been since third edition dungeons and dragons it's this idea that if you are standing next to somebody who threatens you and you do something that lets your guard down so you try to cast a spell or shoot an arrow or move away or anything like that they get a free attack on you and it makes sense but one of the things it does is it tends to make the game quite static. Everyone kind of gets locked in together uh, and then they just stand there hitting each other. And there's not really a good idea. There's not really a good reason to keep moving around all over the place. We get around it a bit on the show because we tend to mind's eye a lot of stuff or theory of the mind uh, a lot of stuff rather than having miniatures. So it doesn't come up as much or you can cheat it a little bit more. But I, like I was saying to the, the Paizo guys, it's the rule that I hand wave the most on games that we play. I, I ignore when monsters should have had attack of opportunity or when players should have had attack of opportunity quite a bit for the sake of keeping things moving. Now, in second edition, it's still there, but it's a specialist ability for fighters. So fighters can do attack of opportunity because they're combat trained. That makes sense. It doesn't make sense necessarily that a wizard would know to just turn around and hit you with this stick uh, if you're if you start casting a spell next to it. Uh, it doesn't that doesn't make sense to me. So now only these characters have it. So it means you have to be very aware of them, uh, and it means that you have to be quite cautious around monsters when you don't know what a monster can do. You are not totally sure. That's going to be really fun if you're next to a monster and you want to move away from it, 
and you don't know whether it's got an attack of opportunity or not that is quite that's quite nice i like that i like that sort of sense of jeopardy of not knowing that and it makes fighters feel a lot more special and have a lot more reason to be right in the thick of it at the in the middle of things especially with the shield rules as well so that is a thing i loved about it uh, in terms of the classes we played i had a go with uh, fumbus with the the brand new iconic alchemist he's a goblin um, alchemists feel great in second edition they are really different to first edition so the in first edition an alchemist feels uh, it feels a lot like a wizard really a wizard that throws bombs so you take spells you put them in potions and you throw them but really you're just casting spells so mechanically after a while they start to feel a lot just like wizards which you know they're still fun but they're not they lack a bit of uniqueness in this i constantly felt like i was making um, potions and just throwing things on the fly so i'm making alchemist fires and acid flasks and uh, they all feel like actual chemical things uh, rather than actual spells it just had this real this real sense that you're kind of just taping things together and just making stuff on the fly and then just hurling it at the monsters it was much more chaotic much more fun the wizard likewise i'm sure we have all had the experience of seeing a level one wizard if you haven't I mean, listen to our show and uh, listen to Velda's <laughs> early episodes and some of his more recent episodes as well, you'd say. Wizards are notoriously underpowered at low levels. There's not really very much you can do with a Pathfinder 1st Edition wizard uh, at low levels unless you really, really work on your character. But in this, they felt really exciting. So Ross was playing the wizard and he, uh, he used Hand of the Apprentice, which has popped up in our show uh, somewhere around episode... 10, 11, something like that. Velda used Hand of the Apprentice, you may remember, to make a weapon magically return to his hand. But in first edition, that spell doesn't actually make you any better at throwing the weapon. So he hurled his uh, throwing axe, and it just kind of plopped onto the floor, uh, and then crawled back along the floor, back to his hand, doing no damage. When Ross did it in second edition, he threw his staff 120 feet he uh, used his spell attack bonuses rather than his physical stats, because it's a spell, to hit the monster. He blasted the monster, he killed the end boss, and then the staff reappeared in his hand. He did loads of damage. It looked really cool. It didn't feel overpowered. It was just different. Uh, and likewise, the wizard has got a shield, uh, a shield spell, so they can spend an action to kind of put their shields up. Um, rather than it being something you just throw up at the start of the uh, encounter and forget about. It's something you're actively doing each turn, putting this shield up to try and protect yourself. It's really, really cool. The monsters are more unique as well. We got a chance to have a look at the bestry when that appeared later on in the weekend, uh, and we had a little flick through and looked at some of the monsters. And the thing that really jumps out is that every monster has got something unique about it. Monsters in Pathfinder 1st Edition tend to be sort of based off templates, uh, you know, and a lot of it is based on, well, they have this many hit die, therefore, okay, their base attack bonus is going to be this, therefore they're going to have this many attacks. Uh, and, and if they're of a subtype, if they're a type of skeleton, then, you know, you kind of know what sort of character they're going to be. In 2nd Edition, they seem to have thrown a lot of that standardization out in favor of just making them more fun. So every creature has got something weird that it can do, and some certain types of creatures are different. So intelligent undead, so we fought a skeleton champion, he's not immune to mind effects, but a run-of-the-mill skeleton is immune to mind effects because it doesn't have a mind. Really simple stuff. So you're going to be constantly coming up against monsters that you haven't met and thinking, oh, well, you know, I've, I've fought one of these in first edition, I know what's going on here, and then it will just do something mad 
that um, you weren't expecting. So on the whole, I think we are in for something exciting. I went into this, I don't want to say sceptical, but I've been playing first edition a long time and I like it a lot. And while I enjoy fifth edition D&D, I do find it problematic as a system. It, it doesn't quite do it for me. It doesn't give me the depth and the complexity that I want from a role-playing game. Uh, it, what Jason was talking about. Um, Pathfinder seems to give you that. It feels deep, and it feels like every turn you've got lots of options of things you can do. You're not just going to keep doing the same things. And every level up, you're going to have interesting stuff that you can do. So I think it's going to have that same level of depth, but at the same time, it's going to be easier to teach. I'm conscious of the fact that I've been playing this game for about 20 years and there are still bits of it that I don't understand and there are certainly bits of it that players don't understand when I try and explain it to them. It is not the easiest game in the world to play, especially at higher levels. Uh, and that's a caveat. We have only played a level one demo game of second edition, so I do not know just yet what the higher levels are going to be like and that's a big thing to have to fix. So we're going to have to wait and see until it comes out. But right now, I think that the future looks very bright. I think that 2nd Edition seems to be a very, very good game. Is it better than 1st Edition? We will have to wait and see. But I am excited about its release now. I can't wait to get my hands on it at the 1st of August when it comes out uh, and start playing some games. And, and as soon as we have, I will try and give you some proper impressions uh, of how we are finding it. And uh, hey, maybe you will find it being played on this very show. That'll do for that. I hope some of that is interesting. I hope it's given you an idea uh, of what this game is like to play. Uh, please go ahead and subscribe to the show if you're a new listener, if you just jumped in for the uh, Jason interview, and um, see where we're going on our show, because uh, I think uh, if anything for second edition comes up, we're going to be talking about it on the show as we go along. And we're also going to have a bit of fun and some adventures. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. We will see you back with a regular episode, as always, on Monday. Take care. Bye. In a world of heroes, villains, six British actors will come together to play Pathfinder. It's sort of like D&D, but also really not like D&D. Join Falter. I immediately regret this decision. Karagord. Oh, I see you, Kenneth. Velda. Hold my arcane powers. Shania. Yes, I've cracked the case. M. Now kill him. <laughs> and the Dungeon Master for an actual play podcast that takes adventure Seriously. Available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, and from DangerClubPodcast.com. Danger Club. Let's roll. God, doing that voice hurts.